The following is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action on anything being discussed, consult your medical doctor. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefald. Heart Health is a local call-in health show designed to educate and inform you of the most up-to-date information for not only maintaining a healthy heart, but a healthy body. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. Get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation just by tuning in Saturdays at noon. Heart Health Radio right here. Franklin Weefall, welcome. How are you, doctor? Good. I'm excited because I think we're going to, um, we got an email to talk about yeah. uh, that I think was a very thoughtful and incisive email mm-hmm. that sort of sets everything off for us to talk about some good news. And and Mike, I mean, uh, <laughs> Dave, I, we were That's talking okay. about Mike Check. Dave, give us the statistics. Okay. Uh, we're on the flattening of the curve now. I am, I'm going to go worldwide and national right now the u.s has seven hundred and six thousand just blows me away to think of that seven hundred six thousand eight hundred thirty two so roughly seven hundred seven thousand uh cases spain italy france germany and the uk follow be you know behind us but we're number one with a bullet yeah well i mean number one obviously with the total number of cases right i think we're we're not so far ahead when you look at the percentage of the total population. Wake County has a big number, 566 cases in Wake County. Statewide, 5,800 cases. Yeah. I, I, you know, again, I was wrong. Um, and that's one of the things that, you know, I, I, I always need to admit is that based on what I knew, Mm-hmm. about the virus and when I knew it. I predicted 30,000 cases. And so way off, way off. And I think, you know, the obvious reason is what we're going to talk about in coming up is the number of asymptomatic people that were able to spread the illness. There's also a factor that the more you test, the more you get confirmed. And if there's an a, if there's a whole population of asymptomatic, Huge. that is... And, and for anybody who hasn't been following it so closely, you know what asymptomatic means to me? You're not sick. And, and it's amazing. When they first started doing antibody testing, mm-hmm. now the difference between the two types of tests is pretty simple. You The one down your nose and in the back of your throat, and I've administered the test. It's not fun. Yeah. Um, that's a test to see if the virus itself is present. Is do you have the virus in your body? Okay. The second test that they're talking about now is the antibody test. They prick your finger mm-hmm. and they check your blood to see if you have an antibody that neutralizes the virus. And so when they started testing antibodies to see, you know, hey, well, let's just make sure that you know a negative person doesn't have the antibody. Right. And they did. Somebody who was theoretically and never ha- was, was a control, a quote unquote control, a young person who'd never even had the sniffles, yeah, had the antibodies. And so, when you look at the Netherlands, who yeah. is do who are doing this now, forty to sixty percent of the entire case uh, antibody positive people never had a single si- symptom. Forty never. to sixty percent, which. You know, I always joke, gosh, that's almost half. 
No, it could be more than half. <laughs> could be more than half. Could be more than half. Yeah, they haven't got all the data yet. Now, remember the the aircraft carrier where that had all the the yeah. mess and all those sick people? Yeah. About forty five percent are asymptomatic. So, so a huge number be. on the aircraft carrier got the illness, but almost half had no symptoms whatsoever, which leads us into what we've really learned about the virus. The virus doesn't do much to your body. It doesn't itself eat, you know, flesh-eating bacteria. I they remember that eat story. your yeah. flesh. Yeah, that's a bad thing. The virus doesn't do anything. What, what it kills do? you is your own immune system. And it, I think everybody needs to remember these two words, cytokine storm. You've been hearing a lot about it. What is the cytokine storm? And so I'm going to say a, a dirty word here that What's might that? get me in trouble with lots of left-wingers. It's genetic predisposition. So one person has some sort of gene that another person doesn't have. It may be the same gene. It may be the gene that the virus can hit and stimulate an overreacting immune system, the cytokine storm. So cytokines are communication proteins and chemicals that one immune cell sends out to your body Mm -hmm. and activates another immune cell. So the people who are asymptomatic have the virus. The virus doesn't eat your flesh. It doesn't make you sick. And they have a genetic predisposition not to create a cytokine storm. But the people who are dying Mm -hmm. are the ones that their immune system overreacts. So the virus doesn't kill you. Your immune system kills you. People and it's are, very fascinating because the new therapies that are coming out. Now, hydroxychloroquine, and we're going to talk about this email. I got you know raked over the coals. It doesn't affect the virus. It doesn't stop the virus from replicating. What does it do? It helps tampen down the cytokine storm. And the really great thing that I think is coming is that there are two new medicines that are specifically against the cytokine storm. One medicine that helps prevent the virus from replicating, and what does that do? It prevents the virus from activating the cytokine storm. So I'm very hopeful. Um, The science that we have in this country is amazing. And Gilead Gilead is a, a company that I use their drug. It's a heart drug they make. Mm-hmm. called Renexa, but they've also been involved in, in, in antivirals. And so we'll talk in a minute about remdesivir. We'll talk about this new rheumatologic medication called baricitinib that is against the cytokine storm. We'll talk about what we've talked about before, which is the convalescent serum, the antibodies from healed patients. And you know what's great? Mm-hmm. There are so many asymptomatic patients with these antibodies that we're going to have a ton of supply for this treatment. I know a bunch of a bunch of sailors who would be happy to give a yeah. pint of blood. Yeah. Ahoy, wow. matey. Here's my blood. That's right. <laughs> All right. You want to talk about this email? Yeah, I got a really nice email from a very thoughtful listener that brings up a lot of issues. And we're going to have Dave read the email. Hi, Dr. Weefold. I happen to be listening to you on 680 AM the weekend before last. It seems you are siding against science and medicine and leaning to what the POTUS is pushing. POTUS is president of the United States. Uh, There is no evidence that this med is really helping any people with COVID-19. You also stated you are not seeing any evidence of a shortage of this drug. Please refer to the FDA. Uh, There are people that take it for lupus 
RA, rheumatoid arthritis, and many other autoimmune disorders that are not able to get it. Tried to get this, tried to get this at RX, filled at any pharmacy. You can't. The federal government is hoarding it. She goes on to mention a friend with lupus who is not able to get the medicine. Right. What do you think? Well, I mean, this may be true because I don't know her friend Mm -hmm. and I don't know where she is trying to get the medicine. At least I didn't know at the time. Right. So what did I say back in the email? Um, And I, I thanked her for the for the email, I think it was a very thoughtful one. And it, it really reflect, reflects how a large group of the population perceives what's going on. And um, so I, you know, I told her that I have about 50 people that I treat for lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, um, and they're on hydroxychloroquine. The brand name is Plaquenil, if you, if you hear it by that name. Uh-huh. And they have no trouble getting it. So we called our pharmacies. I called Carroll Pharmacy, yeah. who is my pharmacy. They give me my tons of medicine yeah. that I take. I believe in chemicals. Chem- without chemicals, my life would be impossible. <laughs> but anyway, they had it. Um, then we contacted CVS. I went oh, to the yeah. corporate offices of CVS and Walgreens. I give them both credit for responding within yeah, an quickly. hour to the question, is it possible that People are out yeah. and both responded to say that there is an adequate supply, which is to say, no, we're not out. Right. Is there a shortage according to the Food and Drug Administration? Sure. And what does a shortage mean? A shortage means that the number of pills that they like to have mm-hmm. is less than what they have. But you can get this medicine. My patient, listen, have I gotten a call saying... And I get this all the time. You know, um, remember the blood pressure medicines that were taken off, Losartan? Right, right. I get calls every day. I can't get it. Is there a substitute? You know how many calls I've gotten that my patients can't get hydroxychloroquine? Zero. 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 So I think this lady, um, we're not going to mention her name because there are crazy internet people who might dox her, so to speak. So, I mean, she's a very nice lady. We're not going to mention her name. But. I, and I believe her, I'm, and I'm wondering why her friend is not getting her medicine when, you know, CVS and Walgreens say they have it. They yeah. don't have as many as they'd like, yeah. and my patients are getting it. And so we recommended she call these pharmacies in Smithfield, right? and you can transfer a prescription in-state, and yes. they have it. Now, am I ignoring science? Well, let me just tell everybody who may not know. Okay, I am a scientist. When I was at Duke and at Johns Hopkins, I was a molecular biologist. What does yeah. that mean? I studied DNA. I studied the way DNA interacts with certain proteins in the cells to create other genes. And I published in Nature. Okay, so Nature is the premier journal in the world. Um, you know, the DNA guys, Watson and Crick, that's where they published. Okay. Yeah. And I published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. So I am a scientist. If President Trump had said licorice, chew licorice and you won't get COVID-19, would I support that? No. Now, are there scientific papers that show in a positive effect of hydroxychloroquine? Yes, there are. Now, when people say it's unproven, now what does unproven mean? The way you prove a drug works is we've talked about this. You know, my double-blind, randomized, case-controlled study. Yeah. So you take 5,000 people, you give them the medicine, 
5,000 other people, mm-hmm. you give them a fake pill. That's yeah. how you prove it. So is it proven? No. That is going on right now. Right. But when you look at a 1,000 patient studies, a yes. guy has given a 1,000 patients in a row. Yeah. And he's had a 2% death rate. And he's had people, fewer people on ventilators. Right. Now, the whole point of these case-controlled randomized trials is to say it's not chance. So, a scientist can say, yeah, but you don't have a control, so it's chance that these thousand patients did well. Well, let me just tell you one of the articles I just saw in in one of the lefty magazines, uh, you know, New York Times, I'll call it a lefty magazine, said, patient studies shows hydroxychloroquine didn't work. So, there was a study with 15 people, 15 in one, I'm sorry, 30 people, 15 in one arm, 15 in the other arm. And they said the differences were insignificant, therefore it didn't work. Well, no, the differences were there, but when you look at this statistical analysis, there was more than a one in 20 chance that it was by random chance. Mm-hmm. But guess what? what? The death rate in the placebo arm was 5%, mm-hmm. and in the hydroxychloroquine arm was 2%. That was the last line of the article. So most people are not going to get there. Right. So yes, it's unproven. But you know what else is unproven to be mm-hmm. safe? Tylenol. They haven't done a study to prove that Tylenol works. And after the break, we're going to talk about ventilators. Okay. I mean, we may, you know, we're going to make 150,000 ventilators. Yay. And we've already, we, well, let me, Dave. <laughs> Yay. We don't need any more. We finally have enough ventilators. Yeah. We don't need any more. We don't need any? And so guess what's not proven to be safe and effective in COVID-19 patients? Ventilators. And guess what? What? They're going away from ventilation now. They're going to a different technique. Let's talk about that technique coming up on Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Now back to Heart Health with Dr. Franklin Weefold on AM680 WPTF. Listen to Heart Health Radio on Apple Podcasts or go to WPTF.com. Search on the upper portion for uh, podcasts or you could just go to HeartHealthRadio.com and there is a link to the latest show. Always trust the most latest show. I'm not sure that's the way I'm supposed to say it. The most recent show because, of course, situations change. Telephone number now, 919-860-9783. Call right now. We'll get you on the radio. And we've got some information about treatments coming down the pike for COVID-19. Yeah, we just had a caller who didn't want to be on. Yeah, that's fine. But he asked me about ivermectin. And ivermectin, you probably, if you've been listening to all this mess, it's an antiparasitic medication. And in vitro, what does that mean? In vivo means you've tested it in people or animals and then in vitro means you have a petri dish and you've got covid growing in it and you sprinkle this stuff on well ivermectin showed a lot of promise okay in preventing the virus from replicating so they're going to start to do human trials and like i said if it works it works um but there's a warning because it came out and so a bunch of people started taking the heartworm medicine and it's a heartworm medicine for dogs uh, and cats, I guess. I don't know. I just have dogs. I don't have cats. So it's it's promising, and they're going to study it in humans. But I don't recommend you take 
you know, your friends uh, hydroxychloroquine. I don't recommend that because yeah. it's not shown in somebody who's asymptomatic to be helpful. And I don't recommend you take your ivermectin. Um, and the bottom line, though, is it's promising. They're going to study it. Now, I think that let's talk about um, remdesivir, okay? Yeah. Remdesivir looks really good. I'm very excited. Now, what is it? It's an antiviral drug. And you know what it's developed for? Ebola. Mm. Actually, no, I'm wrong. It was developed for hepatitis C, okay. which is a, a virus that messes up your liver. It didn't work very well. But Gilead Sciences, who created this medicine, and what does it do? If you know anything about DNA, DNA is a stack of chemicals that code for your proteins and everything that makes up your body. Essential, you know, nu- nuclear material that is our genes. Well, they made this drug to interfere with the viral replication. It, it fools the virus. Mm-hmm. It worked a little bit on Ebola which is interesting. A bowl is nasty. That's a whole other show. Yeah. And so they said, we've got this in our, our um, archive of drugs. Maybe it'll work. So they're starting to use it. Well, actually, they've been using it. They used it in China back in December. Yeah. But China stopped doing it. Now, that doesn't mean that it didn't work. They just didn't have enough patients left to do the studies. So the preliminary trials are very good. Are very people are coming off the ventilators mm-hmm. because the virus is dying, mm-hmm. and therefore it's not activating the cytokine storm. So, all you out there who think that I just promoted hydroxychloroquine because I like President Trump, uh-uh. I'm promoting this medicine that it's a potential to be a game changer mm-hmm. and really be used uh, in all stages of the illness. Now, what else are we coming up with? Okay, so rheumatoid arthritis. We give it hydroxychloroquine to reduce the amount of inflammation. So these really smart people were saying, we've got other rheumatoid arthritis drugs, and they're not supposed to be used in people with active infections. I don't know if you've seen the um, advertisements for some of these injections. Um, Phil Mickelson, he gets one. And it it says, you know, in that little voice, if you have sores in your mouth, do not use this. It could cause infections and die. Yes. And because they're afraid that it'll make you um, immunodeficient. Well, what it does is prevent this overreactive immune system. So, baricitamib. Now, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. For all you rheumatologists out there, it's a monoclonal antibody. So, it's an antibody that you don't have, but they've made this antibody in the bloodstream. And it blocks the protein in your body that prevents the cytokine storm. So, they're using it now, and they're doing a lot of work with it, and I'm very impressed at their initial studies. Now, we talked about ventilators. We needed 40,000 ventilators in New York. Well, not really. They're giving them away now. Yeah. Okay, we have 100,000 that we're going to come online with. Great. We'll give them to other countries that don't have them. Right. But maybe they aren't the best thing. Now, remember we talked about hydroxychloroquine, according to the liberal press, was bad because it, quote, unquote, wasn't proven. Again, these big studies that showed it worked versus a placebo haven't been done. Well, ventilation, putting somebody on a ventilator when they can't breathe, was never proven to be what you need to do. It was what we always did. We always give Tylenol for fevers. 
Okay. Yeah. Remember they said don't use ibuprofen because it might suppress your immune system? Okay. No, you want to suppress the immune system once it's going haywire. Okay. So the WHO back walked on that, walked back on that and said use ibuprofen. Well, all these really smart guys in New York, and these are some of the best medical centers in the country, NYU Langone Medical Center, they're great. And these, these intensive care pulmonary guys said, look, I don't, this ventilator stuff may not be the right thing. Well, one of the new things that's been going on for five or six years is turning patients on their stomachs. Why? Apparently, when you do that, it opens up the lungs more. Now, I don't understand the physiology. I, you know, I, I'm going to learn about this and tell you. Mm-hmm. So they're putting these new ventilator patients on their stomachs with the ventilators. Yeah. And then they said, well, wait a minute. They turned people on their stomachs when they were just about to intubate them, put the tube in their trachea, put them on a breathing machine, and they got better before they intubated them. Yeah. So the oxygen levels were real low. They flipped this lady who was dying on her stomach, getting ready to intubate her, and she didn't need to be intubated. Mm-hmm. Something happened that increased the flow of oxygen to the right places. So they put her on BiPAP. Now, what is that? Any of you out there who have sleep apnea, you know what that is. That's a mask that fits over your face, and it causes pressure when you breathe to open up the flabby tissues that are preventing the air from going in. Well, initially, they didn't try these, okay, because they thought it would spread the the, the virus from the um, spittle yeah. out into the room. Yeah. But now they're finding they can avoid intubation which has its own problems. It can hurt your trachea. It can puncture the lung. It can blow up the lung too hard. Mm-hmm. And now they're using prone assisted breathing. That means you're lying on your stomach, you're lying on your front chest, and then you're getting either intubation if, if the BiPAP doesn't work, this mask over your face, and it seems to be working. Is there a big difference between BiPAP and CPAP, right. which I okay. have? CPAP is continuous positive airway pressure, yeah. CPAP. That means when you take a breath in, yeah. it puts a certain pressure in. Yes. When you take a breath out, it's still the same pressure. Right. BiPAP is two different pressures. There's one pressure when you breathe in and one when you breathe well, out. Well, they told me they could... They could um, adjust, adjust mine to right, do but that. It's still the same pressure in and out. Okay. BiPAP is 20 slash 15. So it gives a 20, and then when you breathe out, it gives a 15. Yeah. That's for the real bad ones. CPAP is for obstructive sleep apnea when you're, but you know, you can't breathe. That's me. BiPAP is when you're really bad. Really? Okay. So you need to have pressure when you breathe out, too. Really? Okay. Okay. So... You talk about things not being proven. The one thing that everybody was clamoring for, ventilators, may not be the best thing. And so this is why the US of A is such a great place to yeah. get sick. I mean, I hate to use these terms. Sure. These guys at, at Columbia, NYU. Often, oftentimes women yeah. as well. The, now, let me tell you, some of the greatest doctors there are women. So when I, and you know, I call a group of women, you guys. Yeah, you know? I understand. Anyway. And I apologize to anybody out there who's offended. I love women doctors. I love women in general. But anyway, they are coming up with this stuff on the fly. You like them specifically also. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Better than Keep men. going. Sorry. Keep anyway, going. Anyway, so they're coming up with this stuff on the fly. <laughs> yes. You know, and it's so great. 
Yeah. And we're turning the corner. Um, we haven't even mentioned how we're flattening the curve already. There's fewer people dying now, fewer people being admitted, more people being discharged. So now they're talking about relaxing some of these constraints, and I'm very hopeful. I mean, I, I'm feeling good today, especially when you hear these stories about all these great physicians and scientists who were working on the fly, coming up with these things, and saving lives. Do you know about New York at 7 o'clock? What happens at 7 p.m. in New York? No. People who are in quarantine, not quarantine, or lockdown yeah. by these hospitals yeah. are leaning out their windows from their apartments, <laughs> blasting horns, cheering, yeah. clapping for the medical workers who are going into the hospitals and the ones who are leaving. Shift change. That's great. And it's awesome that's great it's awesome we've got our shout outs coming up in just a moment you want to call us up 919-860-9783 is the telephone number which you've been listening to over the last couple of minutes heart health radio with dr franklin Weefold on uh, wptf you can find us at the wptf.com webpage or go to hearthealthradio.com You know you make me wanna kick my heels up and down, throw my hands up and down. This is Heart Health Radio, and once a week we take some time to talk about people who've done extraordinary things. Dr. Weefault, who who do we have on the shout-outs today? Well, y'all know about the USS Comfort. That's the ship that yeah. they sent to New York. That was going to only take care of non-COVID patients. Well, it turned out they didn't have enough, mm-hmm. and they needed more COVID patients. So they turned it overnight into a COVID hospital. Well, one day, 10 ambulances were arriving at the same time in line. Mm. And one of them, the patient was running out of oxygen. So U.S. Marine Sergeant Austin Lopp, and I, it's L-O-P-P-E, so I'm going to pronounce it Lop. If, if you're listening, Austin, I apologize for mispronouncing. He and his Marine buddies took off at a full sprint and ran down that dock half a mile. Each one of them grabbed an oxygen tank, two of them. <laughs> you know how much they weigh? Probably, I can hardly lift the ones in my office. And they ran back at a yeah. full sprint and gave this patient the oxygen they needed. I mean, God bless the Marine Corps and America. Yeah. I mean, look at this. Everybody wants to complain about our country. Yeah. We have people like Sergeant Austin Lott in this country, and that's how I know we're going to get through this. Wow. Now, the second shout-out. You know, we talk about dogs all the time. I love dogs. I got two. Yeah. 180-pound dogs. I love them. They can't sniff very well, though. Their sense of smell is not acute. But the bloodhound, yeah. I mean, look at they, they, they find these kids who have wandered off. Right. They're teaching them to sniff out coronavirus. So I'm serious now. <laughs> they are teaching them to sniff out who has coronavirus and who doesn't. Now, yeah, you may okay. laugh. No, no, no. But it's... think of the, they are sensitive medical equipment yes they can sniff out cancer in certain people yeah so what they're trying to do is they'll have a dog running around yeah yeah can you hear that yeah i hear it i hear it clearly and they will point their tails wag their tails do whatever and and sniff them out now i think it's great i've seen two dogs approach each other my question is where (laughs) on your body does the dog have to we'll leave that to the trainers okay okay? now the third person I want to shout out 
is a guy that was a professor at Princeton. Uh, you know, I went to Princeton. And he won the Nobel Prize. Oh, and he's good. done. And that was in a mathematical model of economics. Well, that's made him believe that he's an expert at predicting economic things. So you know how sometimes you love it when somebody bets against your team? Because they're yeah. always wrong. That's right. And yes. you know that your team's going to win. Yeah. So Paul Krugman, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Why? Because he's predicted the economy will go into a tailspin, and this will be the worst depression we've ever had, worse than one of the 1930s. Yeah. He's always wrong. So thank you, Paul, <laughs> for saying this. In 2016, Paul Krugman said, well, they asked him, they said, when do you think the economy will uh, bounce back? from the election of Donald Trump. His response was, quote, uh, never. And then like a week or a day later, you know, things bounce back pretty well. Yes. So, so if what, he's yeah. against you, who yeah. can who could bet against If Paul Krugman says yeah. the economy's gonna go to H, yeah. thank you, Paul, because you're always wrong. He's always wrong. That's great. When can we go home? You mean? I mean, when can, not today. I mean, when when can we all invite people into our homes again? And Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to leave that up to the experts, okay? Now, our experts were wrong, um, not because they're bad people. Um, you know, Fauci is the – it's really weird. Fauci is now the toast of the town with the liberal press. Mm-hmm. And they've even gotten to admit that it was he and Dr. Burks, he's a wonderful person, mm-hmm. who analyzed data from China and the WHO – and said in February, up to February 29th, that this was not going to be a problem in this country. Mm-hmm. Well, then he got caught on a hypothetical question, and the question was, if we had gone to mitigation, people, people at home in February, would we have fewer deaths? And he said yes. They took that to mean that he recommended to Donald Trump to cut off the country in February. He ignored him. Well, then he got up on TV and said, nope. As soon as we recommended mitigation... Um, it went. We went to mitigation. So now the question is, when can we get out of mitigation? And yeah. I can only say I'm not smart enough to know. Um, some people are saying we got to test everybody in the United States, and when everybody's negative, you know, if you're negative, you go back. But there's two types of tests. One says you got the virus. One says you had the virus. So here we going to let go back. The ones who are immune because they had the virus. You could say, well, if if you're negative for having the virus and negative for being immune, you shouldn't go back to work. I, I don't know. But yeah. what I'm hoping we can do, because our country needs to go back to work, one of the great things about America is our economic system, mm-hmm. and we need to get it back. I mean, million, 17 to 20 million people are out of work. These are hardworking Americans who want to feed their families yep. and the dignity of work. We got to get them back to work. And so I'm going to rely on Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, the ec- the economic team. Mm-hmm. And they know more about it than I. It's above my pay grade. But I'm okay. hoping soon. I want to give a shout out to Monica, who called during a commercial break, had a great conversation with her. She just was a little shy about being on. Hey, we love our radio. callers. Call yeah. in. We'll never embarrass you. Monica um, told me a couple of things. Hey, if you tell me. Gosh, you know it's going to be on the radio. She's very complimentary of the show, very complimentary of you. Well, that's because she, she's my sister. I didn't tell no, you. No, no, she's not. She's <laughs> I'd not. I'd like to have her as a sister. I love sisters. Monica uh, asked for us to go through the names of the medicines. Now, I don't know why. 
I think it's Maybe good. You know why wants, we've mentioned so many? She wants a All list. Right. Let's numero uno, hydroxychloroquine, also known as Plaquenil, mm-hmm. it is used to tamp down the overactive immune systems in people with lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. Right. It has shown promise. Um, there are many studies. There are many anecdotes. That's, you heard that term, anecdotal. Mm-hmm. That means it's a story of people who were really sick on death's door, got the medicine, got better. So until they do the studies that we talked about, randomized, case-controlled, one-arm placebo, one-arm not, mm-hmm. the drug, it's not proven. Mm-hmm. But people are using it. It's the number one used medicine. Now, the second medicine is called convalescent serum. Mm-hmm. It's like a blood transfusion, but just the antibodies um, and the other protein. The idea is that somebody who is convalescing, that means they've gotten over the infection, has a set of antibodies. Their own immune system has killed the virus. So they're giving these antibodies through the serum to lots of patients, and they're doing better. Mm-hmm. We predicted this, what, six weeks ago, five weeks ago? Yeah. Because it, they used it in the flu epidemic. Of course, then they didn't know how to spin out the blood. They just gave people transfusions of blood from people who recovered, and it worked. So okay. that's the idea. Okay. Okay. Remdesivir. Um, R-E-M-D-E-S-I-V-I-R. It's an antiviral drug, prevents the virus from replicating or reproducing itself, Mm -hmm. giving the body time to destroy it. It prevents the virus from activating the cytokine storm. I use this term. It just means your immune system gone crazy, filling your lungs up with fluid from too much immunity. Now, the last thing that we talked about was this new medicine, and I've already forgotten how to pronounce it. Do you remember? No, I don't. Why do they make these sounds things? Like, I mean, I went to Princeton, and I can't know that. Sounds like some guy's yeah. name. Anyway, it's another monoclonal antibody. It is used. It's approved already for rheumatoid arthritis. Everybody said, don't use these medicines. It, it reduces our ability to fight infection. Well, it worked for reducing cytokine storm. And then the last thing is Invermectin. That's the uh, anti-parasite. Don't do this at home. Tune in next Saturday at noon on WPTF. The proceeding was meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action on what was just discussed, consult your medical doctor.